Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am Stephen Conway. With me, as usual, Jeremy Feinstone. We are contributors to the Fight Game Media Network, and we are here live here on uh, YouTube and on your podcast feed, and we're happy to be back. We have a lot to talk about, as usual, this week. Royal Crest, uh, Royal Quest 3 took place this past weekend in London, England, we, and we saw a couple of really excellent matches there. We have uh, some New Japan presence of Bound for Glory coming up and part of the Impact uh, group and the opening of Super Junior Tag League 2023, plus more matches set up for big events down the road. So, Jeremy, power struggle. A, it, it is a power struggle. Looks like it's going to be a big show. And we have Fighting Spirit Unleashed, a lot going on, but. Royal Quest uh, had dropped on uh, NJPW World, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and there's a reason Jeremy's laughing, everybody, and that is because uh, I paid for the Rev Pro uh, month uh, so that I could watch this, and then Royal Quest 3 dropped on New Japan World approximately four hours later. So by the time I was done watching the show, <laughs> that I had paid $10 for it. my subscription. <laughs> I got it all, but there you go. Uh, Colin is with us. Colin, hello. Thank you. I'm glad you're with us here today live. And uh, yeah, Royal Quest 3, it's now on both services, so you can watch it. And uh, overall, Jeremy, I'm going to throw this to you here in just a second. Your thoughts on Royal Quest overall, and then we'll go through the matches uh, one by one. I felt that this was not a special show until we got to the end, but the last two matches made it uh, special for me. I, I thought that the last two were made it absolutely worth uh, the time and going into those last two, I wasn't sure that was going to be the case, but they pulled it off. There were a few moments here or there where I was, uh, I was more interested than I thought I would be, uh, the drill and Maloney stuff and some of the yeah. club, uh, definitely had me a little more interested. Uh, but I think I'm with you. I think this, this was two matches at the top of the card that elevated what was essentially kind of a new japan britain house show yes yeah there, there were some th moments in this one that definitely felt very uh house showish and uh but it was a well-wrestled show i mean i'm not complaining about oh, the yeah. show we all we all see these things like so a lot of these new japan house shows they're they're good shows they're well wrestled uh but yeah it, it was a, a little bereft of special moments i felt until we got to the uh final two so you know, but once we did, and then we got some things set up for down the road. So I felt like it was definitely worth my time once I was done. Yeah, you know, I Will Osprey had a lot of special matches, but there was something there was a little more special sauce in this match with Zach Saber Jr. And I can't mm. quite and I'm not ready to go into it because that's not the way we have the show structured right now. Um, <laughs> but there was there was this little something extra on on the top of this match that really just made me happy when I was done. It just made me love pro wrestling, if, mm -hmm. that's, if that's just the best way I can put it. Well, we had the guy that might be the best wrestler in the world against the guy who's the best technical wrestler in the world. So we, it was a pretty exciting matchup and in a place where there was a lot of history between the two. Again, we mentioned last week that Zack Sabre Jr. was Will Ospreay's mountain to climb. Zack was at the top first in Rev Pro. Just talking about in Rev Pro. And part of Will's story was finally getting that big title win over Zack. And it took a few shots, and he finally did. And it was an incredible match then as well. And so seeing this again, there, there's a lot of 
uh, it was just a lot of uh, weight to that. And it, and it, you can tell it meant something to both of them to put on a good performance, and they both did, of course. The fans were really into it. I, I thought it was interesting, Jeremy, that this was a New Japan crowd. Uh, this mm-hmm. was uh, the, these. There's a difference, like the Rev Pro crowd, and uh, and of course, there's a lot of overlap, a lot of overlap. But these were New Japan folks, and uh, it wasn't the highest attended thing we've ever done at the Copper Box. We're going to talk about that. But uh, it, the people that were there were very much into the New Japan guys the most over guys with the new japan guys a lot of the traditional rev pro wrestlers kind of got mediocre reactions out of them they were here to see they were here to see the new japan folks yeah it there were guys that it was clear that there were stories like luke jacobs and yeah. yoda suji uh there were clearly a backstory as chris charlton and getting gray were telling us throughout the show but at the same time it it felt like it was a spotlight for one guy and the other guy was just kind of there to elevate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of those, thank you for the opportunity, sir, kind of uh, the way the match was wrestled. And, you know, I, I'd be interested in going back to seeing how they re- like what their match was like the first time around. But, you know, for what it was, like everybody played their role to perfection. I think all the Rev Pro guys got a little bit more shine being in the ring with the New Japan guys. But this was a new Japan show and the new Japan guys were made to look like the stars. And Yeah, they certainly were. And uh, well, we have a month if you want to go back and look because I paid for that subscription. <laughs> so, uh, Dunstan Williams is here. Dunstan, good to see you. He says, I'm kind of disappointed the show didn't feel must see outside of the last two matches. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad it was just within my regular subscription. And I sat down and I watched a show and uh, you know, no extra $10, but you know, Stephen Conway, <laughs> You fight the good fight for this show, and I thank you for it, sir. <laughs> if anything, I donated a little bit of money to a wrestling organization sure. that I like. So there sure. you go. That's the way I'll look at it. And Viva uh, La Resistance, Viva La Rev Pro. <laughs> and then we had Gideon Gray and Chris Charlton on commentary. And uh, Colin says, not going to lie, Gideon Gray drove me nuts on commentary. I, I enjoyed a lot of it. There were, he, there he were moments. There, there were moments. moments that he was just a little much. You know, you're veering into uh, clown clown territory here, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, there were a couple of times it was an awful lot. It was an awful lot. But there were also some times when he provided some good context, especially within the British stuff, which they were talking about. So, uh, you know, overall mixed bag there. And Chris was uh, was terrific as always. Can can we acknowledge that the audio on this show was terrible? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You couldn't really hear the crowd very well anyway. And then even the... The announcers were not. The announcers were very tinny. I thought mm-hmm. just a very tinny sound to the to the announce quality. Man, it's it's just something that I don't understand why New Japan struggles so hard to micro to mic crowds for NJPW Strong and those events. The, they just don't mic the crowds well. It's not My really that much of an issue was, with that the was more of a Rev Pro. Uh, that was uh, mm. consistent with miking at Rev Pro shows. So I'm mm. kind of leaning towards Rev Pro doing the production on this one. But uh, New Japan has not composed themselves in a way in doing shows outside of Japan in which their consistency can be lauded as uh, awesome all the time. <laughs> 
So this was at the Copper Box Arena in London. Uh, it, we drew uh, 3,191 on this one. And we'll talk about how that's down, but it's it's a different card than past ones as well. So it's it's not apples to apples. It opened with Robbie X and Taiji Ishimori. And this was Taiji Ishimori's first time back in the ring since his injury during the Super Junior Tournament. And uh, what this one did crack me up, where Gray called Ishimori the original Captain New Japan, which <laughs> I thought was really funny. And, and for those of you who don't get that, Ishimori is the bone soldier. He's the new bone soldier. And what the original bone soldier started off his career as Captain New Japan, the babyface masked man who uh, basically just took falls and protected everybody on the hantai faction and uh, then he turned captain new japan turned jeremy and and he became the bone soldier in bullet club and that is really when everybody understood he wasn't good it didn't seem to bother anybody when he was captain new japan and he was just not he was the baby face was getting pinned when he was the heel and he was starting to go over on people everyone was like oh no 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 and, Subtlety, uh, huh? <laughs> he flopped as uh, he flopped as the bone soldier so ishimori came out as the new bone soldier but he called it the original captain new japan <laughs> which i popped for i thought that was very funny but main thing is uh this is taiji ishimori's first thing first time back it was a showcase match for him robbie x did get things in he started the match pretty fast uh, Ishimori ended up working the arm for a while. Uh, X did a lot of dives, uh, and Ishimori let him look good for a minute, but this was seven minutes, 48 seconds, not very long. And this, a bloody cross finish for Ishimori to get a clean win. Of course, he's going to be challenging Hiromu Takahashi soon, so he needs to look strong. It was a chance for Ishimori to stretch his legs a little bit, shake off a little bit of ring rust, get a victory, and get some exposure for another guy who, uh, you know, could be helped by being seen on a show and losing this did exactly what it was supposed to do. Nothing legendary. It was just good to see Ishimori moving well again. Yeah. It, this from the get go looked like a tune up match for Taiji Ishimori to just get his legs back under him. Uh, you know, after he's been out for since June and he showed up, we talked last week uh, whether he was a part of bullet club or not. And it he seems is pretty clear from this outfit when he came when he returned that it was more for style and pizzazz that he was wearing an all-black outfit but he is in fact still bullet club as from his outfit when he came out here very very clearly bullet club. Uh, fine yeah match. yeah yeah it was fine yeah and i said that i thought ishimori could use a new coat of paint meaning that he could just use the breakaway from bullet club it doesn't have to be a massive baby no. face turn but just do something else it doesn't look like that's in the cards right now he's still a member of bullet club but he's also still one of the best junior heavyweights on the planet and that hiroma takahashi mash is going to be great so yeah we have that so we got that coming up one on november 4th yep part of power struggle speaking of which we mentioned power struggle the the, the idea that now I'm going to mention this. We don't have an exact time yet or even necessarily an exact date. Oh, Jeremy yeah. and I are still kind of working on that. We are almost certainly going to do a live show on that weekend that we've got to iron out details on. But, Saturdays uh, are very, very tough for me to pull yeah. off a live show in the afternoon after watching a New Japan show. But I'm going to make something work. Yeah, and, we'll uh, figure we're something We're going to come back on Saturday on the 4th and be here live doing this whole deal. And talk about yeah. the show. Yeah, we and it's well, we'll talk about it, but and we'll yeah. announce uh, something more formal next week on that. But Power Struggle has uh, the card has developed into something that we feel strongly is going to be a big show, and so we didn't want to do a Saturday show and then wait until Thursday to discuss it. So we'll be doing something on that weekend. So we'll what figure it. We'll figure out the happened. Deal. 
uh, for people who are checking in with us for the first time. If we went back and forth between a live YouTube show and a recorded show with audio, and we came back to live YouTube back in, I think, July, we decided that we were going to do uh, live recap shows for the big shows. And, well, we didn't realize how big Destruction in Kobe was going to be, so we missed that one. But we've uh, we've kind of kept an eye out for it and did one for Rikoku. We enjoyed ourselves. We're going to do one for Power Struggle and obviously Wrestle Kingdom. And I'm really? sure that there's going to be one or two shows between Power Struggle and uh, Wrestle Kingdom because there is a World Tag League final that we're going to have to navigate uh, in which, you know, frankly speaking, you're going to get us live one extra time a month for the foreseeable <laughs> future with the way that these uh, shows are mapped out. Be still our beating heart. So uh, match number two is El Desperado and Trent Seven. So this was a very heel Trent Seven. He is uh, definitely sticking with the heel uh, approach. And the crowd reacted to him like a total heel, uh, cheered to El Desperado. Eight minutes and eight seconds. They began with chairs in the ring. Uh, Seven brought a chair into the ring. Desperado brought a chair into the ring. And eventually Desperado went for a tope suicida and he got crowned on the head with a chair from seven starting to look like this could turn into some sort of hardcore match, but it really didn't go that way. <laughs> right. uh, it, seven eventually tore at Desperado's mask, which just pissed Desperado off. No end. There was a ref bump, a light one, not a huge one. Uh, seven got in a low blow and then a pump handle slam to tease a heel finish. Desperado did kick out and ended up getting the Australia Estrella roll up uh, for the flash win. Uh, and Desperado beat him. And later on in backstage comments, it didn't sound like this was totally over. Seven said he would uh, leave Mustache Mountain and uh, go to the ends of the earth to claim Desperado's mask. So this could be something we see again down the road. Wasn't too bad. Trent Seven's a really good wrestler. And uh, this was fine. But again, it was only eight minutes and it was mostly to get Desperado a win. Uh, Trent Seven is fine. I was curious throughout the match when uh, I think Chris Charlton said that he had a record after leaving NXT of 20 and 8. And I was wondering, who are the eight people that Trent Seven lost to before he lost to Desperado? You ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, Joe Hendry, hmm. Orange Cassidy. Hmm. We got Steve Macklin. We have Michael Oku, LJ Cleary, Javier Vives, and Charles Crowley. That's okay. it. I there are a few others at the beginning that are like names, and then there are a couple others that are like, oh, it looks like Trent Seven is uh Elevating a few other people along the way. <laughs> That's probably where his sweet spot's going to be, is, is yeah. having good matches and putting people over there for uh, for Rev Pro at this stage in his but career. I enjoyed so. this match. And frankly speaking, I haven't watched an El Desperado match that I haven't enjoyed in <laughs> quite a long time. He's He is money in the bank when it comes to watching New Japan matches. And, of course, he'll be teaming with uh, Master Watto in the Junior Tag League Tournament. Hell yeah. So, after that one, we had Yoda Suji and Luke Jacobs. That was our next one. So we had the first one went 7 minutes, 48 seconds. Next one went 8 minutes and 8 seconds. This one went 9 minutes and 1 second. So we're starting to ramp up a little bit here. And Luke Jacobs is Ishii in a 23-year-old British body. Very similar in moves and style. And uh, the fans were into uh, Suji in this one. 
And like I said, it was a New Japan crowd. Now, Suji, of course, did his excursion with Rev Pro, or part of it. He also was in CMLL. And Luke Jacobs was one of the people who beat Suji uh, while he was on excursion. So Suji had a little extra steam on this one with Luke Jacobs in mind. Uh, he uh, worked to put Jacobs over early uh, a lot, though. He bumped around for Jacobs, showing off the a very Ishii moveset, you know, the big shoulder mm -hmm. blocks, the the forearm exchanges and things. Uh, but in the end, he got a very big stop, a very big stop, and then a gene blast spear for the win on Jacobs, just a flat-out clean victory for Yoda Suji. Then he threw Jacobs out of the ring afterwards as a particular screw you from a loss he had suffered Jacobs in the past. <laughs> but uh, as, repeat. <laughs> yeah, and again, a, a nice little uh, a nice little showcase victory for Suji here. So this is one of those matches where I call what happens when an irresistible force meets an immovable object. And it seemed like the irresistible force won this one this time. Uh, Yoda Suji was pretty fantastic, and you were right. There was a lot of uh, Ishii in the Luke Jacobs. And there should be, they actually had a match pretty recently that is pretty well lauded. And mm -hmm. uh, I probably learned a lot from Ishii in that match on how he to does be it well. A, he, he does it how well. How to be a small heavy if you need if if need be. So and he's not that small, but he's not. He's not huge, if that makes any sense. No. He, he looked good, by the way. Jacobs, yeah, I think, is a talented great. guy. And there's a couple of uh, comments here that will help us out. And uh, Dunstan says, of all the Rev Pro guys, Jacobs would be a good addition to the roster in 2024. I don't mind seeing him again at all. I, I did enjoy it. Uh, and then uh, Bill Bird says that Charles Crowley is ace, but he wrestles with progress and not Rev Pro. So there you go. So uh, Trent Seven's been working for other companies as well as uh, Rev Pro, and apparently Charles Crowley is one of their guys. And, uh, it was a uh, TNT world title match in belgium oh okay well, there you go i'm looking this all up at cage match and i'm, I'm just filtering all the results here <laughs> all right i i'm well, nothing if not scientific and researched <laughs> we had another title match up next we had the IWGP. oh i like this one i like this one a lot junior heavyweight tag team title match we had clark connors and drilla maloney uh from bullet club they faced leon slater and cameron kai leon slater and cameron kai both teenagers by the way, 18 and 19 years old, respectively. Kai is 18 and uh, Slater 19. And Bullet Club, of course, showcased uh, these two guys' athleticism, and they could do a lot of very impressive stuff. Uh, a lot of flying moves from them. I, I believe it was Kai that just ran across the ring and did that whole somersault senton mm -hmm. over the turnbuckle, over the post. You know, very ricochet-ish, you know, back, uh, back when Ricochet did that move. Uh, on uh, I think it was Kota Ibushi. You know that, that's a great match, by the way. If you want to go recklessly all the way back amazing then. athleticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very impressive guys, uh, and that was great. In the end, though, of course, this was going to be the uh, win for the Bullet Club team. Uh, they did manage to hit a high-low spear on Kai that looked great, but he got out of a the full uh, the full clip. He got out of that move, and uh, but in the end, they ended up getting the no chaser on him, a drill a killer on Slater, which I oh I'm sure he's going to break somebody's neck but he does it perfectly almost every time i mean he, it just it just is a devastating looking move it, I, it's it's difficult to see through you're just like oh my goodness every time he hits that and then they got the full clip on kai for the win uh you know maloney knows what he's doing in there but uh, again connors and maloney have really turned into a good team they are 
heavily featured, as we're going to get to, in the very opening days of this tournament. They're facing a lot of their toughest opponents early on. So big couple of weeks for Maloney and Connors. I think they're going to step up because I enjoyed this match quite a bit. It went 12 minutes and two seconds, and uh, I think that there's a bright future for both Slater and Kai. Uh, I agree with you about Slater and Kai. I think Maloney, there was a point where he just got very, very confident with himself in this gimmick. Uh, with Bullet Club, and it's been off to the races. And yeah. Clark Connors has kept up with him every step of the way. I feel like Maloney's kind of getting a little bit more of the spotlight. The attention is just kind of like the camera wants to follow him in a lot of ways. Like, he just has that charisma. But, man, these, this Bullet Club tag team is one of the most potent, interesting tag teams to be in New Japan in a while. I think that they are lighting a spark in the rest of the tag team division just from just from their aggressiveness. This whole War Dogs version of Bullet Club really suits Connors and Maloney and especially mm -hmm. Maloney. It just he just fits with what this is trying to accomplish. You know, Jay White's Bullet Club was was sneaky mean. You know, calculated. they would calculate it and these guys are just getting shot out of a cannon to people. It's just aggression. It's just anger and a straightforward aggression. It's, it's like, it's it's like there's a guy with a with a chain link fence and they're like, pull the door and it's like <laughs> go. Yeah. And they're just like, all right, what like let's wreck some shit. <laughs> So let's take a look at some of the guys that were former members of that Jay White Bullet Club in the next tag team match. We had a uh, six-person trios match. We had ELP, Tamatanga and Tangaloa against Alex Coughlin. Uh, we had Gabriel Kidd, who would play into things a little bit in a way we didn't expect, and David Finlay. So this one was an interesting one, as it turned out. It was a very house show match. Like, this was... Uh, really dialed back from uh, almost anything else in the show. And the crowd kind of died during this one. Uh, El Fantasmo had to get him going again with a moonsault from the top rope to the floor, which that'll work. Uh, and of course, ELP has a long history with Rev Pro. They triple teamed Finlay and Tongaloa hit the ape shit to beat him. In 10 minutes and 41 seconds, Tongaloa, which means Tongaloa and Finlay will square off in a singles match. I will admit I was not picking Tongaloa to pin... Finlay in this situation, but uh, there it is, and they'll be having a singles match down the road a little bit, but uh, in the end, really, this kind of felt like a house show, babyface finish, make the crowd happy, and, you know, the, without any heels taking any great damage. That's how I took on this this match. Honestly, I I I am at a point where every time I see Tangaloa, I kind of wish it were Hikaleo there, and I don't I never thought I would be saying that, but I think Hikaleo has come farther than Tangaloa, even though Tangaloa has been out on injury and, you know, still getting up to speed. I just think Hikaleo is a more rounded performer. And so every time, like, he's not there and he is, it's kind of like, uh, okay. So that doesn't really do much for me going forward to a singles match with Finley and Tangaloa. I do kind of think the writing's on the wall that this is one of those people that's going to get up fed to Finley in order to reheat him as, as one of the top guys, which if you don't think that he's getting reheated to the main event scene after losing this title, uh, that's pretty much what's happening here. And I think Tonga is the, the first guy, you know, the guy that beat Okada, the guy that, you know, got all 
he did beat Okada in like a count out. Which one was it? Or was it Osprey? He got Osprey in a count out in the G1. Do you remember? Mm, slept since then. I think uh, I think it, I think he got the no, count out when he got G1. Yeah, something like Osprey. That. So he's kind of gotten, you know, he's a guy with a little bit of clout. But it, he was, it was Osprey because Okada criticized him for it. That right. was what it was. There yes. it was. So uh, this is just one of those we are passing the time feuds. This match was a fine pass the time match. Uh, there are bigger and better things for all the guys combined. And, you know, G.O.D. versus Bolt Club has kind of worn itself out, in my opinion. And then we have uh, Dunstan mentions here. It says uh, New Japan released a video of Clark and Dan, and those two feel balanced in terms of importance. Neither one feels like a weak link. Yeah, that's well said. And they yeah. do different things, don't they? They're not just two guys that are doing exactly the same. Uh, Coglin and Kid, of course, have their own charisma. And Coglin be looking like the the straightforward nutcase, and uh, Gabe Kid is an excellent example of a guy who seems to have been uh, a wild dog let off a leash. You know, he just seems to just tear into things which we saw a little bit there. But uh, Dunstan mentions this match was mostly filler, and yeah, it was. After that, we had a, a tag team match, straight tag team match. This was uh, Shota Umino and Ren Narita against the United Empire. That's Great Okan and Francesco Akira in this case. 10 minutes, 25 seconds. Good stuff overall, but again, another house show type of match. Nothing wrong with it. Death Rider finish. Shoto Amino ended up getting the pin, uh, and they did not tease any dissension at this point with Umino and Ren. And I guess it's a little too early for that one. And you're already kind of doing that with Tanahashi and Ishii, although they're starting to get along, those two. But uh, at least that's what the story they're telling right now. So, you know, they're already kind of doing that dissension among the partner thing. And so Umino and Narita were a united front here against the United Empire and got the victory, of course. Uh, you know, that was going to be uh, the way all along. Uh, we expect to see Narita and Umino in the World Tag League, probably see Okan with either Hanare or Cobb in that tournament. So, you know, this is going to be one where uh, Akira can do the job and get this new team over. Okay. So I'm here for Shota Umino and Ren Narita to tag team, as, we, uh, as, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, though, this match layout, uh, was weird after like eight minutes eight Ren Narita never went back into the match it was almost all show to Umino mm-hmm. uh Ren Narita got knocked out of the ring around the 11th minute about two minutes before the match ends right mm. he's holding Ocon outside the ring for the pin as Shota and Francisco Akira do their match well. There's almost no synergy between the two. There's no like effort at double teams or tandems or anything like that. It's literally two guys doing their own thing and it being enough to win this match. And I thought that was really curious because it wasn't just like, oh, all of a sudden, like we're on the same page. We train together. We're, we're like, we're going to do all these moves and we're going to have like close lines together. I'm curious to see how their build as a team goes forward from here because it was incredibly disjointed. Even though they got the win, they did not win as a team. They wanted two guys that were tagging together. And that's a huge distinction. 
post-match comments, they did share a handshake afterwards, but there's not a lot of warmth. They still stood uh, several steps apart, and they're they're eyeing each other warily. Of course, we we have a feeling how this is going to end, and it's not going to be pretty with these two. So uh, we do not expect them to get along for very long right there. So, And Colin says the match was great, but I'm not used to Shota and Ren being buddy-buddy yet. Yeah, it is a little different. Well, they're not even buddy-buddy. Little... They're just tagging. <laughs> Yeah, they're just tagging together. So uh, up next, we had uh, a preview tag of the main event, which was Sonata and Doki against Bushi and Tetsuya Naito. A couple interesting things about this one. Uh, they uh, only went nine and a half minutes, one of them. There were a lot of that was a delay or mind games from Naito. Sonata did get the paradise lock on Naito, which doesn't happen very often right there at the very top level of guys in uh, New Japan. Oh, every once in a while, they, you know, Okada has been in it before and Naito got in the paradise lock here, but the people booed. It was a little bit of a booing going on right there. So no surprise, but the crowd is already starting to line up behind Naito for that one. And this is my point about it being a New Japan crowd. We had a Doki Choki chant. The crowd chanted Doki Choki when he clamped it on, which means... That shows just how much of a New Japan crowd it was because the only place you've heard that is if you watch World. If you watch NJPW World with uh, Gino Gambino and Kevin Kelly and the gang. So very much a, a, a Japan crowd on that one. So the Destino uh, on Doki to win this one, that was how they isolated things. They had Sonata on the outside with uh, Bushi. And then, uh, you know, that Naito needs to win these matches uh, for sure. And he needs to get the win on somebody other than Sonata. After the match, they did have a face-to-face with Naito and Sonata. Bushi uh, swooped in and blew the mist in Sonata's face, and Naito just dismissively tossed him out of the ring. So <laughs> it was that was a bit of a baby babyface thing right there because, again, people are behind Naito, and they just seem to have a pathological need to make Sonata look weak. <laughs> you know, uh, they... This has always been a weird build for this entire Wrestle Kingdom. We're going to be trading, uh, trading, you know, wins back and forth the entire way through. Uh, yeah. I told you there's going to be a drinking game for this going on uh, all the way through. We are, we are underway. We are in the first inning of win trading for the next three months, and I am, I'm okay with it so far. Uh, I have to mute myself for just one second. So, Stephen, you keep on going. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fine. And yeah, it, w- it was interesting that they did have Bushi do the mist thing and, and throw Sonata just out of the ring very dismissively. And again, we've talked about how they booked Sonata kind of weekly. And this is another way that they did it because he didn't really do a whole lot. And he kind of looked upset about it, but not a whole lot. We Again, I expect Sonata to get a lot of wins on this. Uh, and hopefully he'll do something to get a little bit of revenge on that because uh, they kind of made him look like a chump right there. But again, babyface finished. The crowd was definitely on Naito's side. So, uh, and let's see. Uh, Dunstan has a, a comment here that I think is worth mentioning. Do you guys think Ghetto lacks creativity, lacks much creativity when it comes to the build for this match at Wrestle Kingdom? It's, that's... That's an interesting point. I'm not, not even, I'm not sure it's so. that so much. I, I don't think it's that so much either, but right now this is a train that is just rumbling forward with Naito doing that roll call. I mean, it is all about that to me. And it's just a, it lacks creativity. I don't know. I don't know what else you do. You know, you, you have these, uh, these preview tags and, you know, Naito had to look good here. Sonata's going to look good other nights. And it's it's just kind of how New Japan always does these things. So 
but I guess maybe the fact that they always do it like this might might lead that it's maybe not the most creative angle that he's ever come up with. But there is a very straightforward story that seems important to the New Japan fans, which is getting Naito that win, that title, that roll call, that moment that people have been aching for ever since he kind of turned himself babyface through sheer charisma. Because, of course, remember, he was he was a heel when he first came up with this gimmick. But uh, we didn't get it against Okada a few years ago when we thought, when Naito won the G1. We didn't get it uh, when he did win the title from uh, Okada and then was assaulted by Kenta afterwards and he didn't get the roll call. I just feel like all of this is just leading to that. And right now, Jeremy, I think anything else would really disappoint New Japan fans. Okay, so I'm I'm with you. I'm of, I'm of two minds here, uh, or two trains of thought. One, this is a very traditional build towards mm-hmm. a main event program. If you go back to the two paths that have been set back in February here, Naito was left off of the last Wrestle Kingdom card. And then, it, then he did the main event at the Wrestle Kingdom in Yokohama and the, the Mudo retirement match. And so he had a different pathway and he wanted to make sure that he was on, in Wrestle Kingdom and he had his chance to do it. And he felt like this was going to be his last chance. At the same time, Sonata back in February was losing over and over and over. And oh my God, he was losing so much to the point that we were like, this has to be a storyline that he is losing this much. He then won the uh, New Japan Cup in March, and then they've been heading towards this ever since. And so I don't think it is necessarily uh, like predictable or lacking what was the what was the phrasing of the way that it, does it lack creativity does the build lack i don't creativity? i don't think it lacks creativity i think it i think there's a fan service aspect of it that they want to give you a story that they feel that is owed to the fans before they can't do it anymore we are actively getting into a new generation of talent that is going to be taking these main event spots the Rewa Three Musketeers, as well as Yuya Uemura. You've got Finlay. Who knows if Will Osprey is sticking around any time longer? It's like there ain't a whole lot of time for Tetsuya Naito to be getting his one big opportunity to main event Wrestle Kingdom, and it's not if ever going to get a chance to do it. This is one and only to solidify his legacy, so he can be a guy existing on the Japanese wrestling circuit for the next 20 years, uh, getting the polite claps and applause as a former IWGP main event, like attraction. So like this is a big picture kind of match. I don't think it lacks creativity or anything like that, but it is necessary for the health of the past, present and future of Japanese wrestling to have this match and have it where they're at. There are certain notes that you kind of have to hit, don't you, when you were talking yeah. about a New Japan angle, and, the, and the, we're we're just kind of getting through that uh, that those notes here. We'll move on to the next match. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll we'll be seeing more Sonata and Naito against each other for sure. So we had a trios match up next: Hiroshi Tanahashi, Eddie Kingston, and Michael Oku against TJP, Jeff Cobb, and Hanare. This one was the first real nod toward Rev Pro. They took good care of the Rev Pro champion in this one. Mm-hmm. That's Michael Oku. First of all, the note, Eddie Kingston was over with that crowd. They were loving them some Eddie Kingston. This one went about 10 minutes, 39 seconds. 
Uh, he and Hanare, of course, went right at each other. They're going to be part of the uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed in Las Vegas. And it was good stuff with he and Hanare. Uh, and uh, that was just a little preview between them. And uh, the rest of it was just everybody getting a few of their key spots in. Oku accidentally hit Eddie with a knee, but it didn't really turn into anything because Oku ended up wrapping up TJP in a three-quarter Nelson for the win. So in this case, in this moment, this was the Rev Pro portion of the show where yeah. their champion ended up getting the pinfall, looked strong, and uh, and, and looked uh, good, I thought. I thought Oku had a, had a good match and uh, got the victory. There it is. Everybody uh, goes home, babyface finish. All right, so got to get a little bit of crow here. Who will be the Eps in the Super Junior Tag League? I came here and I said, you know what? I think Michael Oku is going to win this match. He's going to pin TJP, and then he's going to turn around and become the Eps in the Super Junior Tag League. Almost all of that happened, except he's not the Eps in the Super Junior Tag League. I was wrong. My grand theory did not pan out, and I like to take credit when I'm right. And so I am eating the bag of S when I was wrong. But... I did not eat any bags of bad stuff watching this match. I did really enjoy it. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. Up next, the number one contenders match for the Never Open Way title. Now we're getting into the part where this show turned special. So we had Shingo Takagi and Tomohiro Ishii. This one went 21 minutes and 26 seconds. It was exactly what you'd think from these two, and it was fantastic. Uh, there was a very long forearm exchange segment to open the match. And they hit each other hard. They hit each other often. They fired up on each other. Just when you thought one was down, he would come up with something big to knock the other one on their rear end. It was exactly what you would want from these two. They even had a German suplex battle to go with the forearm battles and the chop battles and everything else. A German suplex battle. That led to a double down where both guys were exhausted and beaten. Uh, made in Japan only got a two count from Shingo there, and there was a there were just a bunch of really good near falls and strategic one counts. That whole thing where somebody hits a big move and just out of sheer defiance, the other guy kicks out at one. We saw each guy do that in this match. One of the stiffest pumping bombers you'll ever see in your life from Shingo uh, to Ishii after a Death Valley driver. That was fantastic. Uh, there was a brain buster by Shingo, so he used Ishii's move on him. For, that only got a one count at the 20-minute mark. Finally, we got a last of the dragon for the three count. This was a tremendous match. Hard to do it justice just verbally. This is one that's definitely worth going out of your time to see. Fantastic one there. After the match, Tomatonga, the never open weight champion, came out, and uh, they made the match for Las Vegas. So he just said right then. Now, there was no waiting around. He just came out, talked to Shingo Takagi, and said, you and me, and uh, Fighting Spirit Unleashed in Vegas. That will be the title match. So Shingo, going after the Never Openweight title, something we predicted here on this show. It's the only thing that really made sense for Shingo, who's been floating around a little bit this year. He had the King of Pro Wrestling thing going for a while, and, and he and Taichi brought honor to that uh, trophy, I think. He did the stuff with Hanare there that was all excellent. And then he went a few months where he didn't really have a whole lot to do, and we wondered what it was going to be. Well, uh, I, I think this is a, a good place. I don't know if he's going to beat Tomatonga or not, but he's a, a wonderful contender for that never open weight title for a couple of reasons. One, he could win it, right? Uh, the title's in jeopardy, having Shingo there. He brings credibility to Tomatonga if Tama wins, and Shingo can put people over 
without really losing a ton of steam. You don't want to do it too often. Right now, I think Ishii is kind of in a thing where he's putting people over a little too often. Wouldn't hurt to get some wins for that dude in there, but I am not going to complain an iota about this match. This was exactly what we wanted. Loved it. I don't disagree with the word you said. I tremendously enjoyed this match. It was hard-hitting. It was passionate. It was everything I love about pro wrestling. Uh, you should go out of your way to see it if you have not. And uh, once again, the C bracket from this year's G1 continues to deliver after the G1 has concluded. Let's go over this block again and talk. think about all the great magic that have come as a result of this mm. bracket from this past year. We had <laughs> Tamatonga and Tomohiro Ishii and Shingo Takagi and Mikey Nichols, and Hanare, and Eddie Kingston, and David Finley, and Evil were all in this bracket. Hmm, and the they have managed bracket, to, we call it. Yeah, they have managed to, all the people that didn't make it into the uh, the second round, they have managed to milk some feuds out of it, and it has been fantastic. We still got Eddie Kingston and Hanare coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, I kind of... If I'm going to be honest with you, kind of see Shingo Takagi like winning that title. Uh, I just, you know, Tamatonga has accomplished what he needed to to win that title back, and he can lose it at any time. And I was kind of penciling Shingo Takagi in as a guy who could win that New Japan TV title. But hell, if you want to have him win the Never Open Way, it doesn't matter. Just belt Shingo Takagi. <laughs> well, again, we're we're setting things up for the Tokyo Dome, yeah. and you need people who. The fans are into. Remember, it's still a big part of New Japan's business to sell these tickets. Yep. Ticket sales haven't been great this year, so you need to put your big draws in big, in big uh, roles and big situations. We expect some kind of dream match with Okada. We'll get to all that. We know we're going to get Naito in the main event. Naito, probably their most popular wrestler. We feel confident that Will Ospreay is going to be in some form of a, a wonderful special challenge match. You don't and, think it's just going to be an attack match somewhere? I don't think so. But uh, it, but Shingo, right? This is a guy that people do like and people do respect, and I think it would make a lot of sense for him to go into that as a champion. There's another alternative, though, and Dunstan has it, and I think this is a good point, too. Is it bad? No, it's not, Dunstan. Is it a bad thing that I think Shingo should win it and go into World Tag League and win that, too, with Sushi? I wouldn't even argue with that. I think that Shingo Takagi and uh, Yoda Suji would be an excellent choice to win World Tag League. I mean, that would be a good way to launch Suji in a way, too, and get him in a, in a prominent spot. So all roads lead to Wrestle Kingdom for Shingo in some kind of big match, and I'm here for it. Yeah, no, uh, the World Tag League wrinkle makes me think that Shingo isn't winning this match, which is totally fine, honestly. Uh, I just like making conversation. Shingo Takagi pleases me. I don't care if he wins or loses. That's kind of how I feel about it with Shingo Takagi. Uh, there were very few matches, Stephen, that could possibly follow this mm. match. There were very we found few. one. We found one. <laughs> you ready? The, <laughs> the main event was for the IWGP US UK uh, heavyweight title, <clears throat> and it was Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Now, <clears throat> Let's talk about this one. 31 minutes and 19 seconds, and it was absolutely wonderful. We've talked until we're blue in the face about the year that Will Ospreay's having for very good reason. He's having one of the best years I can remember a wrestler having. Let's not forget that Zack Sabre Jr. is having one 
hell of a run here. And he's he's not winning the matches the way Will is. He's putting people over in him. But, man, every time Zach walks to the ring, something special happens. Every time Will walks to the ring, something special happens. So it will be no surprise at all that these two had one of the best matches of the year. And I feel like we say something like that every other week. This has just been the wonderful in-ring year for professional wrestling, maybe one of the greatest of all time. When you really look at the number of brilliant matches we've seen over the last year, and a lot of them have these two names in it, uh, one of them or both. So this one had a lot of great chain wrestling early. It was terrific. Chain wrestling can be a way to burn time. This was not what was going on. These were two highly skilled guys showing off what they have learned over the years. Osprey tried to handspring kick to the head. You know, instead of the handspring elbow, he does. The, he comes off and then does the spin kick and kicks the guy in the head. Zach turned that into an ankle lock, which was a feat of timing that was pretty damn impressive. Oh, let's see. There was just a gorgeous wrestling counterfest for the first 15 minutes of this one. Very even. That's important. They were not playing it as any one person having the advantage and the other guy selling. That wasn't what this was. This was two very even wrestlers going toe-to-toe and coming up with wrinkles on each other's offense because they know each other so well and they're such fierce rivals. That was a story here rather than one guy beating somebody down and waiting for a comeback in different structure. Will hit a sky twister press, and then later he hit a leap of fate. It only got two. It wasn't even really considered a finish at the time. More work on Will's arm. You know, Zach has all those ways of like twisting the arm and then he'll, you know, take the back bump and kick the arm. He did a lot of that. And uh, the first 20 minutes of this match felt like five. You're just sitting back. It went by very fast. And it felt like they could go all night. We've talked about the cardio of these two in the past. They were not breathing heavy at the 20 minute mark whatsoever. They started picking things up at the 25 minute mark. Again, this did go over 31 minutes, but 25 minute mark, Hidden Blade. Uh, was hit at that point. And then not long after that, Will hit a Stormbreaker and Zach kicked out. That doesn't happen very often at all. So it shows that they were putting together something important for this because Zach kicked out of a Stormbreaker. That's a move they protect. It's not as protected as the One-Winged Angel or anything like that. What is? But uh, nevertheless, that's a move that does not get a lot of kickouts. They worked toward a Zach comeback after that. He had a bow staff for a really good... Uh, tease of a finish that way with a submission or a referee stoppage, but uh, he Will was able to get out. Zach hit the Zach driver for a really good two count. At the 30-minute mark, Will got a super os cutter that looked fantastic and off the top. And uh, then it was a try to Stormbreaker, but that was reversed into a Cobra twist. Will managed to get out of that, hit a hidden blade, triangle this is something they did a couple of times where zach would get a triangle on will will power it up into a power bomb and get out of it that way finally another hidden blade and a proper stormbreaker for the pin this one was amazing and in a, in a moment that i really enjoyed will offered his hand to zach afterwards <laughs> zach did, did not shake his hand but instead grabbed it grabbed will's head on both ends kissed the dude on the forehead and uh walked out with uh, all respect wonderful, wonderful match. One of the better New Japan matches this year in a year that's been filled with great matches. I mean, worth your time, worth the subscription to New Japan World for the for the month for this one match right here. I I really, I really enjoyed this match. This was, you, you, you talk about Will Ospreay having special matches all year round. This had special sauce on top of that special match. Mm-hmm. I think for my money, 
this was his second best match behind the Kenny Omega match at the Tokyo Dome. I think that was mm. how good that this match was. In addition to that, as much as you want to say that wrestling Chris Jericho in front of 81,000 made him the king of British pro wrestling in a lot of ways, there is an argument to be made that this was actually the match that like solidified what he means to British pro wrestling more so than that. Like there will always be for the cameras and people who learn about Will Ospreay is that he wrestled in front of 81,000 people in one. But if you are to dig deeper into the legend of Will Ospreay going backwards, like say, you know, in hindsight, you're going to come across this match and a few other matches around it. It's like, yeah, that was amazing. But what was really amazing were these matches here, there, and everywhere. And uh, we don't talk about Scott Sabre Jr. enough, man. Like, he he's going to be around when Osprey and Danielson are done. Like, he has a style that will allow him to continue doing this for an incredibly long time. Uh, longer than Osprey and Danielson are probably going to be able to do a long time career. So what we're seeing from him is special. The ability to see him for the amount of time that we're going to get to see it is special. This whole thing was special. Please go see this match. It was special. Indeed it was. And Will is being pushed like the absolute world beater here. And uh, what was nice is that the title was in jeopardy. You know, you didn't really know. Maybe Zach was going to get this, especially with the idea that Will might leave. But let's talk about what happened after this match. There were several different things that went on that were worth mentioning. I think I believe Will when he says he's not sure where his future lies. I think I believe him. I don't think he really knows yet because he came off very sincere afterwards to that London crowd just saying, I don't know, guys. I mean, this maybe maybe this is my last run here in Rev Pro before I'm I'm not able to do these anymore. Maybe it's not. I think I believe him that that might not be totally sealed yet. So we'll find out. Um, and, you know, the thing is with with this, he. I don't think he would just lie to the crowd like that. So I really believe that it's, it's it's in question, especially with this finish, right? Because if you know he's leaving, maybe you get that title off on to Zach, and you know that there's just a lot of psychology involved in that. So afterwards, he issued an open challenge, which was answered by Shota Umino. Shota came out and uh, said uh, said a few words that John Moxley taught him that we won't repeat here on the show, which is very funny. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Will said that he can have a shot. Uh, and then great O'Conn came in the ring, whispered in Will's ear and he said, Oh, okay. You can have a shot at the UK U S title. And another point about that Shota kept saying, bring both titles as if they are two different things. And he repeated that in backstage comment, both titles, not the UK US. So we'll see, maybe, there, maybe there are two belts in this and they're like, you know, well, like we need more, right. You know, that's, I, I kind of got the chills when I heard that. I just, please don't tell me we're going to split that up. But uh yeah, we need more belts in New Japan. Let's do it. Yeah, why not? Uh, I think I'll have one before too much. More belts in pro wrestling. What could go wrong? <laughs> so anyway, point is, Will said he can have the shot if Great Okan can wrestle John Moxley in Osaka, 
and showed us that he would make a call. Now, of course, they're not going to say that if the answer is no, right? Especially with a baby face like Moxley. And so uh, Moxley baby face in New Japan, I mean. So that sets up an idea that Moxley is going to wrestle Great Okan in Osaka. Shota will challenge Will Ospreay for the UK-US title. Also brings us to a point where Mox can win that match and then do some kind of promo, set up some kind of challenge for January 4th. That's where I think this is going. I think you agree there too, Jeremy, right? I think so. Yes. Yes. You feel good about that. I feel good about. I was looking up something at the time. I need you to repeat the last part of your sentence. I'm so sorry. Love of God. All right. <laughs> so glad. So glad you pay attention. No, I just no, said that. I was looking at something about Shota Umino and Will Ospreay, and I was ready to ask me something completely different than that. Blew it. <laughs> I was saying that this is a chance for Moxley to beat Great Okan and then inject himself into the Tokyo Dome somewhere. We're making a special challenge to someone in Osaka for the Dome. Yes. I have some thoughts here about where John Moxley goes here. And, okay, so we got to pull the thread here a little bit. Thank you for setting me up and me completely blowing that that transition for you. I'm I'm doing great here today, everybody. Uh, Last year at Royal Quest, do you remember who Will Ospreay faced uh, in at that show? Uh, the Royal Quest one or two? Royal Quest two last year. Uh, 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 you put me on the spot here. What? Uh, who was it? It was Shota Umino, and yeah, he lost. That's by right. Yeah. Decision. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. we did a go back at the historic Exover, where Will Ospreay beat Shota Umino again. So I find it really interesting that we are revisiting Shota Umino and Will Ospreay a year later to the immense trouncing that uh, Will basically gave Shota Umino last year. It seems like we are getting towards John Moxley and show, uh, from the Shota Umino link and the uh, Great O'Connell Ospreay link. But here's where it gets tricky. John Moxley and Will Ospreay had a singles match a year and a half ago in Chicago on a strong show. For me, that seems incredibly weird to do that as a rematch at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not saying it's impossible, but man, what a freebie you got if you went to the Windy City show, uh, New Japan Strong, back in April of 2022. It was, in fact, the last time that Will Ospreay got his ass handed to him by anyone before he went on that incredible run, starting with the Orange Cassidy uh, United States heavyweight title match at Forbidden Door 2 last year. Uh, was Forbidden Door, was it Forbidden Door 1 or Forbidden Door 2? I think that was the first one. It was the first one. That's the first Forbidden Door. So, yeah, second, second Forbidden Door was Kenny in Toronto. It just feels like there are so many Forbidden Doors that open and close that I lose track at this point. Two, that might as well be a dozen at this point. Uh, Anyways, so you have that match. Now, could we do Moxley and uh, Osprey at Tokyo Dome? Sure. No one's going to complain about that. But I kind of think that Moxley and Osprey is a heater for Moxley and Danielson, and then we end up with Okada and Moxley instead. Those are two matchups that are both fresh, have been teased in some way, shape, or form, and uh, doing them at the Tokyo Dome will scratch a lot of itches for everybody, including the wrestlers. What do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways it could go. I think we're going to really find out in uh, Osaka on November 4th, which is not that far away. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what combination they come up with for that. Because, you know, they're not going to want to waste Moxley. He's going to be in a very important yes. match against somebody pretty uh, pretty big. So, and January but, 4th is what, on a Thursday this year? And so's our show. So Ooh. there you go. And uh, Bill Bird has a couple of comments I want to get to because he's right. Uh, Virus, a uh, luchador there, is still uh, going in Mexico in his 50s with a similar style to what you talked about with Zach, Jeremy. And he's right. Uh, and, that, and that's a guy that that's a good that's that's a good comparison because Virus doesn't get talked about enough. Older guy, but uh, hasn't really had to change his style too much. Hasn't taken the pounding. Right. Just had not a lot, not a ton of dives and things, but just does that type of style. So good call. And then uh, Bill is making a prediction here. He thinks a split contract between New Japan and AEW. Uh, you know, we'll see if Tony wants to do something like that. You know, that that could be something that they could work out. I, I feel confident that AEW guys can be part of the New Japan story. Now, we, we had that whole idea with the alliance of, you know, with MLW and CMLL and the storylines of it. Fine. But I think the, the more important one is that AEW and New Japan are still going to be working together. And uh, so I, I think we could definitely see that. As far as a split contract goes, that I, I'd be curious to see how that, that would be worked out. I don't think it's impossible because uh, perhaps splitting the money might be uh, something that New Japan would want to take a look at just because of the, the current economic climate. So, so possible. I don't see Tony Khan as a guy who's inclined to give anyone else the right of first refusal yeah, for any talent that he is paying for. That's with, hang that up, said, with that said, I do believe that Will Ospreay has the most leverage of mm. any contract negotiation in yep. the last three years uh, between WWE and AEW as a free agent. Uh, I'm not talking about guys that are going back and forth between New Japan or AEW and WWE. I'm talking about people that are not on the board with either company and is someone that is now open to negotiating with both. Uh, that being said, I think this is completely uncharted territory. Will Ospreay will basically get whatever he wants if uh, the company that signs him is smart. And I think that's the play. Afterwards, there was another angle, by the way, which was yeah. Will was in backstage comments, was beaten down by Gabriel Kidd, uh, attacked him, choked him out, beat the hell out of him. Gabriel Kidd. So either something is going on with Will and Bullet Club moving forward, or it's just simply one match with Gabriel Kidd. They did pick the British guy. So that could be something set up for uh, some sort of Rev Pro or England uh, angle uh, to come. Uh, but uh, yeah, Gabriel Kidd was the choice to beat up will in the backstage comments so i yeah. wonder if that plays into bring both belts yeah i mean it could be something like that yeah. we'll see maybe maybe and, uh one belt for one guy and one belt for the other guy and they split the belts up for sure i mean i don't love the idea but you have to introduce the option of that being a possibility if we're being responsible Dunstan says, I think having one or two top AEW top guys is enough. New Japan needs to showcase their roster to the fullest at Wrestle Kingdom, especially if Gaijin talent will be leaving. Fair point. You don't want to make this thing a, like a half an AEW show and then not be able to follow up on it. So, But again, we're talking about it's just such an important thing to sell those tickets. Like New Japan is finding other revenue stream. We found that out in that business presentation they had, that they are doing better with licensing and they're doing better with uh, merchandise uh, worldwide that that that's been better, but uh, gotta sell tech. You don't want an empty Tokyo Dome, and right now Sonata's in the main event. Yes, Naito is also, 
but you're going to have to have something special to put people in those seats. So uh, Gabe Kidd is getting a shot at Oku's title on Saturday. Maybe it'll be Osprey versus Kidd at Kingdom for both the British titles. Osprey and Kidd at Wrestle Kingdom would be a tough... Uh, that would be a challenging use for Osprey. I, I think... Yeah, it would yeah. be disappointing for me Plus, if Osprey's opponent was Gabe Kidd. I don't think he's been built to that level in which he would be yeah. credible at Wrestle Kingdom. But, you know... Down the line, I think that that is entirely possible for a big show. I just don't think that that's what they have set up for for that, for those guys there. So we're going to wrap things up with the uh, Copperbox Arena Royal Quest 3 show. I got some information on Copperbox, by the way. This building was built for the 2012 Olympics. And uh, do you know what sports it hosted in the 2012 or the 2012 Olympics in London, uh, Jeremy? Uh, he did say it on the air, uh, but... Uh, I thought it was interesting. It was the handball facility. Handball, by the way, team handball is a sport that should be much bigger than it is. Fantastic sport. It also hosted the modern pentathlon. Now, I don't expect you, you to know what give the... me a chance to guess. Well, it's just it was just so weird. Okay, here you go. <laughs> Can you tell me what the five sports are in modern pentathlon? No. I couldn't either. <laughs> I had to look it up. And it is the most I random don't... thing. Listen to this. Listen to this. Modern pentathlon. Okay. Feels like they took all the Olympic sports, put them all in a hopper, and drew five of them out. Here they Shot are. Ready? Put? Fencing. Okay. Shooting. Okay. Swimming. Okay. Horse jumping. Okay. And running. Okay, so it's everything you need to survive in the wild. And they should just call it the Bear Grylls tournament. Yeah. The the hunter gather the hunter gather skills. What a it's weird the, the, the life the life skills of Olympics. Anyway, what a weird thing. You gotta go get a horse, you gotta get a pool, you gotta get a gun, you it gotta have a sword. Honestly, if I if I'm being honest with you, it seems like a sport in which you are bound for glory. Oh my lord. Well, all right. Just hold your horses there, pal. For by the way, 3191 was uh your show jumping horse, apparently. That's the one you need for the modern pentathlon. So hold him for a second. 3191, not a great crowd, copper box. The first uh, one, the first Royal Quest was in the same building. It did have a better lineup, but that one drew 6,119 back on August 31st of 2019. Of course, in 2019, much better days for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, just to go back, that one was uh, Okada over Minoru Suzuki in the main event. Tanahashi beat Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro title on that show. Kenta defeated Ishii for the Never Openweight title. The Gorillas of Destiny, still with Bullet Club, defeated Aussie Open, one of our first looks at Aussie Open uh, in that time. And Will teamed with Robbie Eagles. They were still the Birds of Prey, and Will was a junior. They beat Ishimori and El Fantasmo. And I thought this one was interesting, Jeremy. Uh, not the first time Uni, uh, Umino and Narita have teamed up in the Copper Box Arena. The very first match was Taguchi, Umino, and Narita against the Rapungi 3K team, Rocky Romero, Show and Yo. That was I the opener it. back then. I can't so say that I knew that or remembered it, but I'm very happy to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, oh, and, and Bill Bird says this all sounds like Mountie training, the modern pentathlon. That's what I'm saying. It's like you're you you graduated from the Boy Scouts, and now you're just like you're a you're a venture scout or a, an adult scout, and you're one you want a gold medal. So let's look at the week ahead. And as uh, Jeremy teased earlier, we are bound for glory this coming weekend, I believe. It's Saturday night, isn't it? The, the Bound for Glory uh, pay-per-view for Impact. We've got some New Japan folks on it. 
And wow, uh, that render of Will looks real familiar. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. We have Will Ospreay against Mike Bailey. Speedball Mike Bailey and Will Ospreay at Bound for Glory. So, boy, that's going to be a terrific one. He's got that, and then he's got a match the next night mm -hmm. uh, against Josh Alexander, which is uh, all about the angle word about whether or not he's going to be uh, winning a world title against Alex Shelley and whether this match with Will Ospreay is going to be a world title match. We'll get to that all in a second. But uh, this is, this is going to be a fun one. I don't think it's going to be at the level of some of his other matches, but they are probably motivated to have a hell of a match. Mm -hmm. We also will see Chris Saban against Kenta, and that'll be for the X Division title. Yeah. I know you're gonna love this match when you get to we when we get to talk about this one. It's like you're a huge Kenta fan. You love everything about him. So we're gonna we're gonna be enjoying that one. <laughs> and then here's the match that we were talking about. Uh the fallout from Bound for Glory on the twenty second. So I'm not sure how we're gonna be able to watch that. I think it's gonna be taped and then aired later. But if Josh Alexander wins his match the night before against Alex Shelley, this will be a world title match. Which makes me think that Alex Shelley will be winning that match because I cannot see Will Ospreay both winning the Impact World title or losing to the Impact World champion uh, at this point. So uh, just call that an educated guess, although I've had to eat a bag of crow so far once, and I am willing to do it again for the sake of this show next week. There you have it. So we'll see what happens with Bound for Glory this weekend. Super Junior Tag League will also be starting up that same day. It starts on the 21st. And uh, we found out who X is. We know now that uh, Yo will be teaming, teaming with Musashi. Now, Musashi here, there's a picture of him. He went to uh, Yo. I put went name to... in the middle of the chest. So you can yeah, <laughs> just, that's helpful. Yeah, Musashi's on the right. Uh, but yeah, he is a Michinoku Pro uh, wrestler, so part of Taka's uh, group there, or was originally. Uh, he's been wrestling for 13 years. He's a former junior heavyweight champion in their uh, organization, former tag team champion in their uh, in Michinoku Pro. So it'll be Musashi who is teaming with. And he's actually not all that easy to Google because there is a, a sumo wrestler who, who rose to the rank of, I believe, Yokozuna. I think he got to Yokozuna right named Musashi Maru. So if you try to Google him in Japan, you talk about Japanese wrestler Musashi. You're, it's going to take a while before you get to poor uh, the Mishinoku poor uh, pro wrestler because all the articles are about uh, a famous sumo guy. So yeah, uh, yeah. But there it is. Musashi is going to be teaming with him, and Super J Junior Tag League will open on Saturday, October twenty first in Saitama. Interesting schedule coming up. They're doing Saitama, then they're going to do two nights in Korokan Hall, then they're going back to Saitama, but a different building. There you go. So uh, I'm just, every time I see Super Junior Tag League and I see the render of show, I just I start <laughs> laughing. It is so look at this. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> he's so happy to be the king of pro wrestling. Yes, he is. He really is. And Dunstan says he's very interested to see the tag league this year. Musashi looks like Marufuji if he was younger. Yeah, he kind of does. He does look I, like uh, young Marufuji. I am completely fresh on that guy. I am really excited to be able to, you know, talk about a guy fresh out the gate and uh, have some content that way. Yeah, Colin says he's good. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing this too. I think he and Yo will be a good guy. Yo is just he's somebody that they always take care of in this tournament, no matter who his partner is. And uh, so it, it leads to a lot of interesting thoughts. And uh, because in Saitama on the 21st, here's what I mean 
uh, we're getting a couple of preview uh, tags and things underneath. And then uh, the five tournament matches are going to be on opening night, uh, Robbie Eagles and Kosei Fujita against Francesco Akira and TJP. Mm -hmm. Kevin Knight and Kushida against Taka Michinoku and Doki. Okay. The DKC and Taguchi against Master Wato and El Desperado. So that feels like a Wato Desperado win. And just like Kevin Knight and Kushida feels like probably a win over Taka and Doki uh, there. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, here's the upset special, though. Yo and Musashi against Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors. Do you just bring in Musashi as a mystery guy and then beat him? It's, a, it's an upset special. I'm just saying, keep an eye out for that. And also Titan and Bushi against Sho and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. The only teams... When I look at this lineup that I say, ain't going to win, DKC and Taguchi, not going to win. Taka and Doki, not going to win. You can almost say it about Maloney and Connors just because they have the titles and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put the champs over in the tournament. But maybe this year they do, right? I mean, this is a very interesting, even tournament. And I think it's going to be one of those where there are a lot of teams in it on the very last day with all the twists and turns, maybe all but the two. Yeah, we are. Uh, we went through the first and the final day last week, and it felt like there were two matches that could give you the real idea of where they were going with the uh, the top two teams that end up with the whole thing. And you know, it there are five teams that could win this thing, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's going to be fun. We have a heel team that is currently the champion, so you can kind of uh, ping that it could be a babyface team, but. There's a lot of contenders here, man, and I'm I'm just excited. And you know, we're we're underway on this, but once we get a sense of the first couple of nights of interplay, this tournament's gonna go by real quick. We yeah. got we like the 21st to the fourth of no, to the second of November. Uh, ten nights, we're in and we're out. Like. <laughs> Yeah, these shows blink, are coming blink, blink and we're done when, when it comes to the super junior these shows are coming thick and fast folks on njpw Ooh. world Ooh. and uh it's it's going to be under the current structure we're going to get to that because the uh, new japan world we know is going to be undergoing its changes on the 9th of november so this will still be under the old format but they're also going to be at corican hall on tuesday october 24th now that one has an extra match in it uh bolton oleg is getting his tv title match against Zack saber jr that yeah. night in addition to the tournament uh, again, it would be a gutsy call to change the belt right here. I'll believe it when I see it. I think, you know, the, the Bolton will probably get more offense than most young Lions would against Zach. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So October yep. 24th, this is one, of course, that was delayed when uh, Oleg had the wrist injury. Then he got a bacterial infection. That all cleared up pretty quick. But it did force the postponement of that match. Here it is on the 24th at Corican. The main event is... Again, we talked about how Maloney and Connors are heavily featured early. Mm -hmm. Akira and TJP against Maloney and Connors that night. So catch 2-2 against Maloney and Connors at Corican Hall on the 24th. And uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, on the 25th, they're back in Corican, so two straight nights. That one will have the Jet Setters against Maloney and Connors. So Jet Setters, catch 2-2. And, uh, and in the first night, they'll be facing Yo and Musashi. So two former junior heavyweight tag team championship teams in the first three matches. And then the new guy with yo, who is always taken care of in this tournament. So uh, again, they're, they're playing heavily into this story from the very, very beginning. And then Wato and Desperado will face Teton and Bushi in a match. that will probably be fantastic on uh, the, on that's on the 25th in uh, Cork. And then they're back in Saitama on a different building on the 26th. And that's going to be Wato and Desperado against Fujita and Eagles. 
and also Teton and Bushi against Malone and Maloney and Connors. So, you know, again, Maloney and Connors don't get fast a, and furious, man. Fast they, and furious. But they don't get an obvious win in the first four matches of the tournament. You know, no DKC and Taguchi, no Taka and Doki, you know, all that stuff. So interesting, uh, interesting book. Interesting yeah, book. I imagine, I imagine they'll probably have a fluke loss near the end that they'll end up having a a title match for uh, before we even get to Wrestle Kingdom. So that should be interesting too. Hey, before we go any further, I yes. would like to make a plea to anyone listening right now. If you are currently watching live or you are watching after the fact, re this recording, go ahead to the YouTube channel. Hit that like button on our comments and our show. I can't tell you how much it helps to get the algorithm when mm. you have the thumbs up on the youtube video so if you're watching it please and thank you let's get back to it we got the card for uh fighting spirit unleashed right and we're gonna do our main preview of this next week so we're not gonna do the analysis here uh but we're gonna run we're down gonna... the card in the order that they've announced we have a couple more matches so of course as they mentioned shingo takagi and tama tonga for the uh never open weight championship has been added to the card so i'm definitely looking forward to seeing that this is officially the main event yeah, I believe it is, isn't it? And yeah. then uh, we have a couple of kickoff matches too that have just that are newly announced that we'll get to in a minute. We're also going to see Naito and Hiromu Takahashi against Sonata and Uemura. Eddie Kingston defending that NJPW strong title against Hanare in that long awaited match. ELP and Hikaleo, the strong uh, tag team titles against Alex Zane and Lance Archer. We got a taste of them a few months ago. Zane and Archer actually look pretty good together. I'm looking forward to this match. Same. Julia against Hyan for the NJPW Strong Women's Championship. Um, I'm really excited that I'm going to get to see uh, Julia, five-star Grand Prix winner and former World of Stardom champ right there in Vegas. You're going to be live, man. That's exciting. Yeah, fourth row. Atlantis. Oh, and talk about legends. Oh, my God. Atlantis. Atlantis Jr. Mystico. Hiroshi Tanahashi. My God. On the other side of it, the biggest heel in Mexico, Rocky Romero, Soberano Jr., Tiger Mask, and Adrian Quest. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't really care who wins this one, but my goodness, the idea that I'm going to get to see all these guys in one match is pretty damn fun. Thank you. I'll take one ticket, please. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Filthy Tom Lawler against Gabe Kidd. And uh, two mentally stable human beings in uh, what I'm sure will be a, a wonderfully technical, a uh, lot of wrist locks and headlocks in this one. <laughs> Tom Waller is hometown, so he's got yeah. that going for him. Yeah, and again, I, I'm, I'm setting my girlfriend up for the George thing. It's going to be great. And then uh, women's tag team match, Stephanie Vaquer and Zussis against Yuvia and Johnny Robbie. So uh, some of the CMLL ladies there are getting a showcase match. When was this match announced? I feel like this that was, was a couple weeks ago. Okay. A few weeks ago. Yeah, we've had this for a while. Okay. And then Satoshi Kojima, Fred Rosser, Alex Coughlin, Jeff Cobb, yeah, for the uh, in the uh, that is going to be a four way match right there. So we also have this one that has been announced. So, this is, we have the pre show match. So, we have a couple of kickoff matches Royce Isaacs, Jarrell Nelson, and Danny Limelight from Team Filthy against uh, and this is a uh, Bylon Aki, Titus Alexander, and Jacob Austin Young. So, some new uh, some new names there. We, we haven't really seen and, and Colin was mentioning this earlier. He said, uh, I'm going to bring his comment back up right here. Because uh, I was like, yeah, it was Colin, wasn't it? Yeah. Let me get it back up here. Sorry, Colin. Uh, I don't know if you know who uh, Bailan Aki is, uh, but he's uh, having a match at the Fighting Spirit show, and he's excited about it. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's yes, an interesting. We're all it's an, find out who Bailan Aki is. 
Yeah, Titus Alexander has been mostly working indies over there on the West Coast. Jacob Austin Young we've seen on Strong before. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, and then uh, next one is a couple of guys from the NJPW Academy there in Los Angeles that are getting a kickoff match. Matt Vandegrift and Buck Skinner, who, uh, much like the band, doesn't know how to pronounce, doesn't know how to spell his own name. So there you go. Uh, Vandegrift feels like he came from the school of Bateman. Yeah, it looks like he is. Or he's been watching Marty Skrull tapes with the uh, the steampunk look uh, there with the glasses. I'm going to go, I hope Bateman, because I don't like to invoke Skrull. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I understand that. Uh, by the way, Dunstan had a comment here that he's probably right. I have a gut feeling that the junior tag belt will be defended at a four-way at the Dome. Boy, they love doing that, don't they? Just put that junior heavyweight tag team title in a four-corners match. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, so that's Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Uh, and in... We'll talk about that more in full with our thoughts about how that's going to go, especially you're going to be packing a bag and going right out the door after the show. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm flying out Friday uh, for that. And uh, exciting. Going to, yeah, I go and see you two at the sphere on Friday and then new Japan on Saturday. It's going to be a great trip. You're, you're going to have to tell us about the sphere too. Cause that sounds like uh pretty amazing stuff. Going looks pretty trippy, together. doesn't it? It looks pretty trippy. It looks pretty amazing. It looks pretty yeah. Amazing. I'm excited. No, it's going to be cool. Uh, I haven't quite, seen, I haven't seen you two amazing. in 30 years. Not quite as amazing as the power struggle card. Like it's that. coming together, isn't it? I mean, this is a yeah. neat little show. So let's talk about this. We have new matches announced. Now, well, the one we already knew about was Hiromu Takahashi defending the junior heavyweight title against Ishimori. Definitely looking forward to that. And then we have the never open weight six-man titles uh, on the line. Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii against the TMDK group of uh, Mikey Nichols, Shane Haste, and Zach Sabre Jr. I mentioned Zach trying to be a belt collector. He's getting a shot at everything or defending the TV title, one of the two. Uh, yeah, Zach Sabre Jr. is everywhere. He should be everywhere. He should be wrestling everybody. And the fact that he is makes me happy. And we also have Sonata, Yuye Uemura against Naito and Suji in our uh, contractually obligated Tokyo Dome uh, preview tag. Did you hear why he called himself Heatstorm? Yeah, I did, actually, because he's supposed to be the polar opposite of the cold skull, right, Sonata? And I don't know how a heat storm is opposite from a cold skull, but smile and nod, Stephen. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Whatever works for him. And then we are going to get Shota Umino against Will Ospreay. So that, that should be an interesting one there as part of that Power Struggle show in Osaka. I am uh, I am excited for this one. Um, I think because they have not in announced the World Tag League. We could probably assume that Shota and Ren are in the World Tag League, and people going in the World Tag League probably won't have singles belts uh, going into it, just, you know, given the dynamics of the way New Japan works. So you can kind of read what I'm trying to say here without saying it, but I'm still going to be enjoying myself immensely as we recap this match live on November 4th. You like what I did yeah. there? <laughs> and uh, was, was that all of them? Or we, we have anything else for that one? Yes, Great O'Conn and John Moxley. So Great O'Conn and John Moxley, we assume they, they've just said that Shota's going to make a phone call. We expect Moxley to answer it. Right. And there's one more. And we have Tongaloa and David Finlay. And Last like, but least. Yeah, it is. and then, But it is a way for Finlay to get a win and to look properly mean. And there could be uh, – I'm calling angle alert on this one. I don't think this is going to be the only thing David Finlay does all night. And uh, I don't know what the rest would be, but again, the leader of Bullet Club has to be in a prominent position at Wrestle Kingdom. It's important to the company. He'll be, uh, he'll be something big. I just, you know, if he's not, he's going to be having something big almost immediately afterwards. That's yeah. 
that's one of those things that they do is, you know, Jay White, Jay Whiteism is to uh, pick the bones and Finley is certainly willing to pick the bones as we've seen in the past. So good stuff coming up. So next week on the show, we're going to be previewing, we'll talk about junior tag leagues. We'll have four shows of junior tag league to talk about. Then we'll also have Fighting Spirit Unleashed to preview, which should be a consequential program. There are several mm-hmm. title matches, could be some angles coming up for things, and then just a special show altogether, including the debut of uh, Walker Stewart as our new play-by-play voice for English Looking commentary there in Las Vegas, definitely. And then, of course, Lone Star Shootout is coming not too far after that. Lone Star Shootout is probably the first event we'll see under the new NJPW world format with the, mm-hmm. all the uh, improvements, hopefully the improvements, I guess. We'll I hope find it's out. on That's... world and not on, um, not on fight or whatever. Yeah. I guess we don't have that formally announced yet, but we're, yeah. uh, that could very well be the first thing on world we see under the new structure. So a lot Do of we have any more comments on. to go over before we wrap this up. No, just Colin mentioned that Aki's great. Just watch him go when he gets in the ring. Okay, well, we'll look out for that. I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I always like seeing new guys and new talent, and that's something that New Japan seems to be real high on right now is, is working with other companies, bringing them in, not just Musashi, but we've seen it in a lot of places with these uh, frontier matches now where we're going to be seeing some indie talent mm-hmm. against New Japan talent, and I think all that's healthy for the business overall. I, I do believe that a rising tide uh, lifts all ships if you do it correctly in the wrestling business anyway. I think that can be a thing, so... Uh, I'm all here. I'm all here for it. I'm happy that they're giving these guys a showcase. Looking forward to seeing them in Vegas and beyond. The post G1 lull has officially ended, and I feel like mm-hmm. we uh, we've broken out into some exciting times going into Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm happy for it. It felt like we were just kind of running the same circles with God and uh, Bullet Club and, a, and and House of Torture and just five guys, and we've broken out of it. We got some new matchups. We got some new dynamics going up. I'm here for it. I'm excited. I'm refreshed. I'm re-energized. And I'm looking forward to doing this again all in one more week, man. We will be back next Thursday as we preview Fighting Spirit Unleashed, talk about Junior Tag League, and a whole lot more. You know there's going to be more things announced and other news in, in the meantime. We'll cover it all right here in Speaking of Strong Style. want to say thank you to everybody who joined us live on YouTube. Thank you so much. want to thank everybody who uh, listened to us on the podcast feed. Again, like you said, rate us, uh, leave us a review. All those things help us get our shows out into the algorithm. So I'd like to thank my dog, who clearly has no patience in the world for anything other than what he's got going on. <laughs> uh, mine's sound asleep somewhere. All right. Well, in the meantime, we're going to wrap this one up for this week. For Jeremy Feinstone, I'm Stephen Conway. Thanks again for joining us for Speaking of Strong Style, and we'll talk to you all again very soon. <laughs>